50% of the listings had offer dates that we were trying to show. We just did one, four offers, and we got that for 55 grand under asking. Four offers, right? offer date, yeah. sells 55,000 under asking. So it's yeah. almost like we need to tell the public, offer dates are back and multiple offers are back, but it means something totally different than it used to. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Tom Story Show. We are happy that you are here, and we hope that we bring you some valuable information this Sunday morning, or really whatever day of the week you are listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, we want to say thank you. Make sure to hit that like button so that other awesome people like you get to see this podcast every single week. Me and Steve would really appreciate that. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Steve, we are nearing, I think, 1,500 subscribers on the podcast channel. Almost, Almost there. Which is really, really cool to see the growth on that has been amazing over the last, what, six or seven, I don't even know, eight months now maybe we're at, which has been awesome. And if you listen on the audio side, we're going to continue to run the series in which if you leave us an audio review, which is funny, we will read it live on the show, um, which brings me into this week's guest Someone who I've got to know very well over the last few years and also so happens to work in the stave in the same market as Surrey Steve. Dave Mason has joined the show. Dave Mason is the team leader at Royal LePage, and he also works in the Fraser Valley market. He's got over a decade of experience as a real estate agent, so he's seen the market shift over the last little bit as well. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey man, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So first question, which is the most important, does Steve have a bad reputation in your market? Give me all the dirt on Steve. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. No, it's, it's, I'm kidding. I, him and I have not crossed paths, but I do watch him on, uh, on your podcast and I've, I've, you know, he's, he's got great knowledge and great insight on the market. So, um, but we haven't crossed paths, but that's, you know, that, that, that's par for the course. How many realtors do we have in our and just in our board alone? I think we're like close to 4,500. No, right? we're cresting. We're any day now we'll crest 5,000. So there you go. And that's just in the Fraser Valley. That doesn't even go in, into the Vancouver side of things, which is, is double that easy. So there's a lot of realtors. Well, just yeah. to give some context, I was at a lunch the other day and for the Toronto real estate board, which services way more than just Toronto, we've now hit 80,000. There you go. <laughs> which so, is just insane. That's insane. So that that's means 50% of your clients, Tom, are real estate agents. Well, or, or going to become one <laughs> at some point. We, uh, yeah, at some point. Yeah, there was this the, this graph that came out, and for our market to be in the top 1% of the Toronto Real Estate Board, you had to do 31 transactions. And of the 70-something thousand last year, 35,000 did not sell one property. So... I always make it clear that when these numbers sound ridiculous, it's like half of them didn't even try. The other half were trying, mm -hmm. but really there's probably 20 to 25,000 people waking up every day trying to sell real estate. So it's not quite what it seems like having a real estate yeah. license. And even though I guess technically you are a realtor with the R on the end of it, right? But not quite the same thing. So Dave, like, what are the board? Sorry, go on. Sorry to cut you off. What are the board fee fees there? I'm just curious. Like, if you're acting as a real estate agent there, what are you paying per year to not sell anything? I think it's like I think it's like fifteen hundred to twenty, including insurance and everything, twenty two hundred yeah. bucks or something. What's your office fees? That's wild. But we so. have the one year renewal, where I believe you guys have the two year renewal. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if that helps us or hurts us that maybe people can be like, okay, it's just one year. I'll, I'll figure it out next year. That keeps them staying longer. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, fair enough. So Fraser Valley, let's talk about it. Um, hang on, I've hang been, on, Tom. Yeah, hang okay, on, Tom. Steve's, Steve, this Steve hang wants on, to jump in because now we finally got someone in his market. <laughs> Do you know how much crap I've already gotten? Because we run ads like for my team on the podcast. And mm -hmm. you keep saying it like the TV show, and you need to put the Z in it, okay? It's Fraser, not mm -hmm. Frazier. Fraser, Fraser, like a razor blade. So you gotta, you gotta do that, right? Like I'm Fraser. learning how to say Toronto. You yeah, there can you learn go. How to say Fraser. 
Let's just call it the Valley for the rest it's of this also episode. It's also Vancouver. You have to put the G in it if you're from here. Vang? Vancouver. There's a G in it. The Vancouver anyway, Canucks. All right. Fraser Valley Market. All right. Well, I'm just going to avoid saying it from now on. Um, Dave, have you noticed a noticeable uptick in activity? Because I know Steve's been finally saying like, hey, guys, people are back. Things are happening. What have you noticed on your end? Yeah, same thing. Absolutely. The last like two and a half, three weeks, everything that we've done has been multiple offers. Like every single buy side, sell side. The interesting part right now is those are not all resulting in the home selling over asking. So uh, the way I, I don't know about you, Steve, but the way I'm looking at it is like, let's say you have four offers. You have two separate buyers in that situation. You have two people that think that everyone is desperate. No one can afford the mortgage anymore. So when they see a listing, they put in an absolute number that doesn't make sense as an offer to see someone who's desperate, desperate enough to take it. And then you have the two other parties that are more or less in tune with the market, a little more confidence maybe with this last announce, announcement from Bank of Canada saying, okay, these are the rates for now. They're going to pause them. We don't know how long, but these are the rates. These are the prices. Let's make a move. And they're putting in market or, uh, value, or offers that are in line with market value. That's what I'm noticing. Yeah, but how about you? hundred percent the same thing. So not really achieving over ask. I heard of one property not far from me, and this is all heard through the grapevine. So I don't know for sure, but I heard they got 15 offers and still didn't go over asking, but they had 15 offers. Yeah. So, and then I heard another one that, you know, there was one that came up for like a million bucks in Fleetwood. Tom, that means nothing to you, but yeah, they don't know exactly. Um, you know, came up for a million bucks and I'm like, well, that's an easy one, two, five house and it sells for like one, two, five. So it's like, yeah, you know, are we, are we crazy? No, but yes, everything almost seems to be multiple offers. Even, of the, even the stuff that was stale last year, that's relisting it's, it's moving or is it like even stuff that's been sitting for 70 days is getting offers or is it because they've relisted as a new listing? I'm seeing both. I mean, through the grapevine, we haven't personally dealt with that, but someone came into my office yesterday and we were talking about that. They had written on a house that had been on the market for a while. And then they put an offer in whatever, a few days ago and they went back and forth. And all of a sudden the agent called uh, my friend Tom. I was just like, Hey, like we have another offer and you're competing now. And he was like, this thing's been on the market for months. And all of a sudden now we're competing. It's just what's going on. Right. So we had, uh, actually did, Tom, this is kind of nice for agents out there. If you want to send us referrals, we'll take them. Got my first successful referral off of the podcast from somebody back in your neck of the woods. Um, and we just firmed it up. But that house was on the market since like June or July or something like that. Hmm. And they canceled, relisted, finally hit the right price. They weren't hanging on to June's prices anymore. And we were up against three other offers. So there was four offers on a house that was previously on the market for like better part of six months and once as soon as they hit that price point that made sense four buyers were like let's do it what was the delta though what did it start at and what did it sell at like wh how overpriced was it to get down to the point that people were actually interested i uh, the sweet spot that i'm seeing in detached right now so it was detached home is kind of like 1.4 anything under 1.4, maybe even as high as 1.5. But those were one seven houses a year ago. Maybe even more. Yeah, we just yeah, we just had that on a place in in um like Clayton. You obviously know Clayton. And um it was yeah, they were on the market. We we targeted an expired listing and they were on the market for over 130 days. And we came in and we just uh not only did we adjust the price obviously, but we adjust the efforts in regards to like the staging of the home and the presentation, but we ended up with five offers. Um, and that was listed right in that sweet spot, one, three, two, nine. And they ended up walking away with just over one, three. Wow. That's so, they were, they so were why? So, and that was five days in the market. So why is this happening? Like, I think well, some why? people are, are like, but still the rates are, are high. Why are people now coming out when we've all been told things should continue to get worse? Why are people interested now? What happened? Yeah. Did people wake up on January 1st and go, I like homes again. Like what happened? I think tight inventory in certain pockets. And I honestly think now that uh, what you uh, let me know what you guys think, but I think buyers are now understanding, kid, this is the price, this is the rate. And when you're looking at it, there's so much education out there being pushed out about, okay, yes, the rates are higher, 
But if you were borrowing in the low twos and you're paying 400 G's more on your home, your payment was the same and the opportunity for wealth growth wasn't as great as, as it is right now. And now the prices have adjusted so favorably in, uh, for the buyer that maybe buyers are recognizing this and saying, hey, this is a good buy. Like I'm getting a five bedroom home here with a two bedroom basement suite mortgage helper for 135014 when, like you were saying, it's 17 last year. Like, let's make this work. And I think, Tom, we're also noticing, Dave, correct me if you're not seeing the same thing, but most of that kind of speculation investor, like we have a market where most of the homes over, let's call it 40 years old, will be bought up by investors to eventually tear down and rebuild. Um, so those guys have bowed out of the market, right? Because rentals make no sense. Uh, you know, those are still $1.2 million homes. They need a lot of work. Um, those guys are bowing out. So the owner occupiers, though, are like, oh, yeah, I still need a place for my kids to live. And I still need the good school district and all that stuff. So that that's what's driving people right now. Owner occupied, like two bedroom condos. It's a tough market right now. First time buyer, yeah, I agree. really tough market right now. One bedroom condos, though, maybe not. And then, like like Dave's saying, so those that area that he's he's talking about is kind of like ten to twenty year old houses, right, with basement suites, that sort of thing. Those at one point three are looking super attractive. The sixty five year old house that needs a ton of work in a bad area, not so much, right? Not so much. Yeah. You guys got to come to Toronto. Sixty five year old houses here are considered new. <laughs> Like, like the house I just moved into was originally built in, I think, 1910. You know, lots has been done since then. But like, you know, we, we obviously have new build homes. Most of our new stuff is condos. That's all in Vancouver here. That's what I have to myself. That's where I live. I, I moved to Vancouver, my wife. And same thing. All the stuff out in my pocket is like 1905, like heritage homes. There's not many, not many new ones. But um, yeah, it's it's a different, different beast out there. Do we have any of that, Stephen Surrey? Any heritage spots in my... I mean, old, old timey uh, Cloverdale. There's a few, but those are all. I don't think there's any heritage designations outside no. of a couple. Um, yeah, but Tom, right. you'll be blown away. Like, there's a one particular pocket uh, subdivision done in the very late '80s, early '90s called Eagle Crest, and yeah. just before lockdown, so let's say three, four years ago, in 1989, home was torn down and rebuilt hmm. right like right one in off the corner i pass by it every time it's just off of 60th avenue and i'm like i don't understand why would you do that in that area it's not i mean it wasn't even the yeah. best location best lot it was just i guess somebody got a house and they wanted to build so you could have bought probably cheaper real estate and more in need of a teardown probably would have got a better deal in just as good of an area Somebody tore it down and built. We're, we are getting 1980s houses torn down here now. And Why are they tearing like, them down? What's wrong, what's wrong with that house? It's just not big enough? Is that the issue? Yes. I think we have an economy here of builders, right? So we have a ton of people that stay busy in their jobs by building houses. So there, I think there's a ton of that. Um, but yeah, those would have been... 17, 1800, maybe 2,500 square foot homes. And now they're putting 5,400 square feet on the lot. Hmm. Yeah, they're maxing out. So, and, and, it, and that's just the house they're going to live in for the next 10, 15 years, right? Like, are they flipping these things? Are they doing this to sell them or are they doing this to actually move into it? I think it's a bit it, of both. It really, it really depends. Yeah, David, it really yeah. depends. So, what I'm trying to figure out is, in Toronto, from about July last year until today, our market's actually only gone down 3% from the average monthly numbers, okay, from July till today. And actually, if you look at early February numbers, which aren't officially out yet, we're actually back. We're not even down. We're, we have not moved for seven or eight months. And that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I'd love to know if you guys know what your data is in the last, maybe Steve's probably looking right now. I'm looking it up. So, because what I'm trying to get at here is like, well, if the prices haven't actually moved in Toronto for the last seven months, why is it that the action has returned now? 
Why is it now that people decide? And it's probably because of the last Bank of Canada hike where they, they said conditional pause and things like that. Um, Steve, uh, uh, Dave, I'd like your, your thoughts on that. And then Steve, could you let me know what, what your side of the numbers look like? Cool. Yeah, I agree. I think there's honestly, there's, there's more buyer confidence in the market right now um, in regards to, to where it's heading and the opportunities that are presenting themselves. And I think people are finding a way to make it work, you know, um, it, just all across the board, housing, everything, like just, just spending in general, I think people are finding ways to make it work, whether that's getting a second job or whatever it means. Um, they're, they're finding ways to make it work and they're purchasing real estate. Cause as we all know, it's one of the best, uh, investment tools for financial growth. And yeah. Long, long term, right? If you're going to hold it long term. Yeah, and people see the opportunity and they, they acknowledge that. And I think that's why we still have a pulse in the market. I don't think there's ever been such a, like, no matter where you look on social media, at least for our demographic or whatnot, the number one tool everyone preaches is real estate. So I think people see that and they're starting to make a very valiant effort on making that happen for them, personally. Steve's still on MySpace, but we're going to get him over to Instagram <laughs> as soon as we can. Steve, I know you're probably looking at the news. He's starting to take off with these real, with these shorts that I'm posting to reels. So it's not doing too bad. He, he had a reel do more than like three likes and he's like over the moon about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. I'm like one of the kids now. <laughs> okay. On so what, what are your numbers, like, Steve? Wait, I got to get on. No, TikTok's okay. even getting old now. What's the new thing? Anyway, sorry. Numbers, numbers. Um, Okay, so here's the one thing I think about now that actually Steve Soretsky brought up. He's like, okay, I know what the numbers say, but what is your house doing? Right? So there's two different things here, and I'll use uh, kind of broad examples so Dave can kind of give his opinion on it. But the peak, obviously, you want average, benchmark, or, or median, Tom? I was using average on my chart okay. that I did the same thing. So this is all real estate. The entire Fraser Valley board. Wait, I better make sure I'm quoting that correctly. No, this is detached. Sorry. Uh, detached the entire Fraser Valley board area. So that's from where my office is, Tom, all the way out to Mission, which is the sticks, as far as I'm concerned. People in Mission will get angry. Um, February, so almost exactly uh, a year ago, exactly a year ago, 1.9 average detached price. Today, uh, one, three, eight, two. Okay. So here's my question from February to July. What was the drop off there? Like wh when did the biggest price drop happen? Well, that, that, so that's the interesting part. So I would feel like when I go, so Dave, I'm going to give you my specs kind of, uh, 6,000 square foot lot, um, almost 4,000 square foot house in Cloverdale. Right. At the peak, that was two million bucks. Yeah. Right now, well, let me keep going. I want to say in summer, September maybe, that was one point six. Steve, maybe you forgot one more. of your selling features though. You've got a basement gym that's never been used. I used that thing this morning. <laughs> Shut your mouth, Tom Story. So <laughs> oh uh, also also rental suite. Um so yeah. I, I would say that's one six to one six five in September. I think that's the same price today. Right. So I agree. So saying that, well, thank you for the evaluation. I appreciate it. Um, the, so, but here's the thing. So I'm looking now at the numbers and I'm using average price, uh, average detached price in the entire Fraser Valley went from 1.395 to 1.382. So that's a 15,000, $17,000 drop since september so the drop was from february to september and since then we've had how many rate hikes since september what three we had yeah we had the big one in september two, i think i, I think right? we three had... a 25 a 50 in a december, 75 in september yeah 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 so, three so with the rate hikes why have the prices not dropped is a question that I'm sure people sitting on the sidelines are saying, what the hell guys like this doesn't make any sense. Why are prices holding Dave? Do you have any thoughts on that? 
This episode of The Tom Story Show is brought to you by Lendlord. If you've not heard of Lendlord, it is a software platform designed for real estate investors. It helps you easily track your portfolio and get reminders when things like rent and utility payments are due. But the best feature and my most favorite feature of the entire platform is something called a deal analyzer. This is where you, as a real estate investor, can log into the software, plug in your future potential purchase, and the system quickly comes up with important information like cap rate, cash on cash return, and even future potential values. It's a totally free software, but listeners of the Tom Story Show can get 90 days of the upgraded paid version right now totally for free by either clicking the link down below in the description or going to lendlord.io slash tomshow. And if you're a real estate agent and you're not using this software to quickly and efficiently analyze deals for your clients, well, I think you're doing your clients a disservice. Download Lendlord today for a quick and easy way for you to analyze not only your own future purchases, but those of your clients. So again, that's landlord.io slash Tom show to sign up right now. And listeners of the Tom story show receive 90 days of the paid version totally for free. I have tried this software myself. I think it's fantastic and extremely useful as a real estate investor. Sign up today. That's landlord.io slash Tom show. And now back to the podcast. I think it's very pocket dependent. Uh, what do you think, Steve? Like, I think they're like, like you mentioned, Cloverdale, that's holds its value is relatively pretty strong in comparison to other areas. Right. So, um, I guess that is across the board, like you mentioned, but yeah, it's a great, why would it hold its value? Is it sellers holding their ground? Perhaps have we reached the bottom quote unquote, and people are just like, I'm not, I'm not moving this at this price. It doesn't make sense. Cause like the juice isn't worth the squeeze because whatever I buy in the back end, if I'm downsizing, it just isn't what I'm after. Maybe. Well, in average pricing in townhouses, in apartments, and in detached, this last month is not the lowest price. Mm. So in detached, it was November. In apartments, it was December. And in townhouses, it was December. So prices now in all categories have gone up since December. So are we now seeing the result of coming into the spring market, even with all this interest rate stuff aside, are we now seeing that, yeah, we're getting back off to maybe the normal flat ground? Personally, I, I hope we are. I hope we go. I don't When did you get your license, Dave? Uh, 2011. Okay. So when you, perfect time to get in the market, by the way, uh, 2011 through 2015, that was a very stable probably mostly declining market in our marketplace. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like you could look at a house from the outside and barring a $100,000 renovation inside, you could tell what that house is worth within 20,000 bucks. And you haven't been able to do that since because it's been ups and downs and ups and downs. So I think we, if we're very lucky, we'll get to a spot in the next three, four, five years where we can go, okay, Back, can we go back to a one to two percent growth for for a few years, and not end up in this? It has to be up twenty five percent in a year, and then also down twenty five percent in a year. Yeah, less fluctuation for sure, and more balance. I think that's what we're all after. No matter what side of the equation you're on, it would just be some nice balance because it's it helps on all aspects of it, from like pricing properties to managing emotions on the side, uh, the seller side and the buyer side, because obviously selling real estate's the number one thing is it's very emotional for every party involved because you just you don't know what's on the other side and sometimes people they think too short term and that's fair it's a big purchase but they can't put those long-term vision on and, and you know just hold tight so that some balance would be nice where it's not fluctuating so much i've got a i've got a thought so let's play the the other side of this okay so us three as three talking heads that sell real estate for a living. I, I, I think sometimes that like, I, I never want to be biased in what I say, in which I will always tell people what I'm actually seeing, whether they like it or not. And trust me, they'll tell me if they don't like it. But okay, the other side of the equation is, uh oh, multiple offers are back. Seems like prices aren't going down anymore. Uh, the job numbers were like 20 times. By the way, how are they 20 times higher than expectations? There's That's, someone's doing math no wrong. Something's going yeah. on there. Okay. Is Bank of Canada now going to look at this and go conditional pause? Well, conditional's out of, or the pause is out of this because 
things are still going well. We got to tighten this up more and, it, and more rates are coming because that's probably where people that are, I don't know, hoping for the market to continue to go down are thinking. Um, is that something that could happen, Steve? I don't know, man. It it That jobs report was kind of scary. How are they that off? How they said 50, they said the actual numbers they were estimating was fifteen thousand new jobs, and there was a hundred and fifty. Yeah, like they were ten crazy. times wrong. So, apart aside from inflation, U.S. inflation went down, but not as fast as they were hoping. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I personally am thinking that a pause right now is probably not the right thing to do. Um, and there's a really good chance that. I don't know. I think maybe they should keep going a quarter point at a time until there's some sort of stability. You you see that happening too, Dave? Them going up. Yeah. I think they'll pause the next one. And I think they're going to take a couple months here to really reevaluate and, and see what those rate hikes, the effect they had. The jobs thing doesn't help. And the amount of people are still spending that we can see doesn't help. But like it's... um. Yeah, I, I'm on. I don't want them to do what I see why they probably should. I, I think I'm just thinking more on the the economic side, the compassion side for people who bought at the top of the market. Perhaps that's what I'm more or less thinking there. But, I do agree that it's probably in the benefit to do another one at some point. But on the flip side, there's some compassion. Where I'm like, man, people are getting squeezed, I and mean, we don't. It's hard to it's hard to see that, right? But Dave, don't you know that everyone that bought at the top of the market was just a greedy speculator? Don't you? Don't we all know that? Isn't that the reality? Yeah, that is the reality. <laughs> there wasn't just a few people that saved up and wanted to own a house and move into an area to have a good school district. It's just all, all the all the people that are causing the problems, right? But yeah. Tom, I got a I got a question for you because right. I want to know how you're differing from what we're seeing here. Here, sure. here's a legitimate concern that I have, and it has to do with you, you people, Tom Story, you variable rate liking people and i'm not that guy um i'm not that guy anymore <laughs> i don't like it anymore you are on a one year that is a variable as far as i'm concerned yeah whatever. the here here's the issue that i'm seeing with people they are in these variables they got into these variables and their payments have gone up crazy amounts like 1200 2400 dollars a month and they're still going, well, I'm not going to lock in at 479, even though I'm at, at 65 right now, because rates are going to go down. Are you not worried about those people? I'm are terrified. you sure they can lock in at 479? I don't think they can. I don't think it would be that low. Uh, Is that a realistic if situation? If you're CMHC or not, I guess if you're under a million bucks right now, you can still lock in at four. I saw 469 the other day. Um, mm -hmm. that might be going up though. Cause I heard bond yields spike the other day with the uh, jobs report. So that being said, I have no idea what bond yield even means. So, yeah, that's a, that's an equation like benchmark price that I still don't know exactly how they, how they figure it out. So, that, yeah. so if they go up, let's say they do two, two quarter points, I don't know, after the March announcement, whenever the next ones happen after that, they go do two quarter points in a row because the job numbers are still good and things are happening. Now, if unless the bond yields follow suit going up, right now is probably, from my understanding, the second or third time in history that the variable has been above the fixed rate, like significantly, ever. Mm -hmm. So if Bank of Canada continues to raise the, the overnight rate, which impacts the variable rate mortgages, that's going to hurt the people that have variable rate mortgages. That is clear. But any new buyer coming into the market, like Dave, are any of your clients taking variables right now? No. Right. You know, they're all going short fixed. Okay. And and Steve, are just, you seeing just, the same thing? Um, yeah, more more fixed rate for sure, because now it's a lower rate. But I'm terrified those people that are still gambling. So they were the gamblers when the when the rates were going up, that rates wouldn't continue to go up. And now they have an option for a lower payment right now, and they're still not choosing that lower payment in hopes that rates will go down in the future. So they're still gambling. And that's the part yeah, that yeah. scares me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's also the other side of the equation, right? Where we're talking about markets picking up now, things are happening. These are people that have owned the homes for a long time and new buyers entering the market that are likely taking a one to three or fixed. 
it's the people with the renewals that are coming up. And Dave, uh, we had an episode where Steve shared his recent mortgage renewal where he got a two year at 2.75 just because he's an absolute, got a horseshoe up his back end wow. where he actually did it two years ago, not knowing and had two years left on his three mortgage. Three years ago, three years <laughs> Whatever. ago. Whatever. <laughs> I, I, lost, I lost track of my renewal date, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a guy, you know, giving other people advice on real estate, doesn't know his mortgage is renewing. Anyways, um, it's, that's all love, Steve. I'm just joking. Um, what I'm trying to get is that I think the worry is that if the rates keep going up on the variable side, because even though the new buyers are taking the fix, is if people have that and they bought at the peak or even previous to the peak and their payments are going up, at some point here, Steve, if they don't lock in, they're going to have to sell that property because they can't afford it anymore if rates keep going up. And that is what people have been saying should happen. We should see four sales. We should see people that are over leveraged. We haven't yet quite seen it. Is it just, I mean, we gotta wait no. longer? I'm interested to see if Dave's seen it because I have seen none of it. And I do know some people who have had their payments increase a ton. Dave, have you seen anybody phone you oh, yet personal say, level, hey, no. Yeah, they can't, no, they, nobody's seen... like, hey, I can't, I can't afford this at all right now. Dave, get me out. No, no one's no one's reached out. I hope no one does. Um, I haven't seen it. You know, when I'm when I'm looking for listings and stuff, and you know, you'll obviously see like the owner, the bank, etc. If it's foreclosure, right? Like I haven't seen any of that yet. So maybe people are making adjustments and 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 really not going for dinners, not traveling, and really trying to just grin and bear it for the next little bit here and see what happens this year. And at, at one point, uh, to talk about what you were touching on there, Steve, is maybe they'll just be forced to that. Maybe they force the to the fix. They might say, hey, we're going to have to just not stop gambling on these going down and just take it to your fixed three year fix and just ride it out. Cause yeah. I mean, the sales are still down in comparison, right? So the, yes, the activity on our listings are up, but at the end of the day, the sales are still not what they were. And historically low, historically low. Right. So to touch on, you know, what we were talking about with the bank of Canada, seeing that yes, the sales, the multiples are there, this, that, and the other, but they're not going way over asking like they were a couple of years ago. The FOMO isn't driving the market. There's no fear of missing out because there's nothing to miss out on right now. Mm. What do you miss out on? High rates, right? And there's like, yes, there's a tight selection of inventory. So I think the question is like, who is buying this? And so when I look at who is buying the real estate that I am selling, it is people who are taking the advantage of the opportunity and the price differential is so small now between a townhouse and a detached home. And if you bought that townhouse pre whatever 2020 let's say you got 2016 there's a good chance you're sitting on a decent amount of equity and if you sell that and buy a house with that um, rental suite even with the rates the way they are your payments might be similar and even if they're a little higher you're in a detached home so getting a much you know, bigger that's house. been something i've getting a much bigger house right so that's been sort of where i've been looking at on my side of things that people who are making those moves are that's the kind of what i'm seeing there for Steve, with your team that. and the buyers, who are the buyers? Like, so D Dave just went over, you know, a lot of his are, are the upsize, sell the townhouse, buy the house, which makes, that's a ton of our business right now too, but we're selling the condo, helping them into the entry level house. Um, mm -hmm. Who are the buyers on your team right now, Steve? Like, who are you they? You name it, you name it. Uh, first time buyers, move ups, uh, not move up to detach though, coming into town, um, investors investors are reaching out but they're doing something a little strange investors are going i've got all this money i want to invest in a property i know prices are down and then as soon as they as we have conversation um they go okay well i'm going to try and time it better so they go well our price is going to keep going down and i go probably we probably got another six to nine to 12 months of downward trend probably not the downside we saw um but that is enough to go okay well i'm going to try and time the market so they're not ne necessarily super savvy investors looking for the right product to own for 20 years and that's what dave said earlier they they think too short term so when i go what do you think that property is going to be worth in 20 years they go well for sure it's going to be worth a crazy amount and i should make this investment but i want to wait six months to get a better price right so again they they just think of this really short term thing uh, instead of what an investor should do, right? Which means they're probably a little too junior on the investing side. They're not looking yeah, at the, it with that long term mindset. They're looking at the cash flow, or in most cases, 
probably not so much a cash flow, right? Like you're, you're probably a little cash negative right now, depending on what you're putting down. But I've said this before. I say it to a lot of people who are wanting to invest, like, like we run the numbers and your, your cash, you're negative 400 bucks a month. And that's not ideal, but I'm like, what are you putting $400 into an RSP right now? Yeah. In 20 years at 400 bucks a month for a year versus 20 years. Where, where would you rather be? And everyone says the property. It's just that gut wrench feeling like, well, what happens if the people move out for a month? But that's why you have contingencies, right? For a month of vacancy. And let's, let's be honest, the vacancy rates are low. So at, at worst, it'd be two months vacant in this pocket because there's just there's no rentals. Yeah, they don't like uh, right now. Tom, what's your market? Because we're about thirty to thirty five percent down before you break even. Oh, we're we're the same. I mean, you can manufacture cash flow in Toronto by putting down forty percent, <laughs> but yeah. you know the days of twenty percent cash flowing are long gone, long gone. So, on, so- on typical, maybe like higher priced properties with several units, but. For the typical one dwelling unit, yeah, those days are gone. So Dave mentioned how low sales are. And mm. in the Fraser Valley in January, it felt like there was no such thing as a sale. Right? Wasn't, it how... the, wasn't it the, since 1980? What was, the, what was the stat on that? Well, so I've got all property types up here right now. And uh, stats in our stat, we've got all these different stats places. But one of our ones only goes back to 2005. So since 2005, Tom, I'll let you guess first. There are two Januaries, and those are the also the next two lowest months ever, of lower sales than this year. What, 2008 and 2016? Uh, January 2009 okay. is the lowest, right? Still, right. Okay, that makes sense. Still almost like half of where we were this last month. So that's how bad 2008 was. 2013. Mm. I thought you guys at, saw the dip in 2016. That's why I guessed that. We did see, so January, but still it's, I mean, not double, but almost double from this January. <laughs> right. So, so the, what, how many homes sold? 2016 for us was uh, detached foreign buyer money exited, right? Because of the, I guess it was the foreign buyer tax. Um, and that's what caused Vancouver to go to crap but the valley didn't see the same thing that vancouver did so so how many homes sold uh this january 587 in the entire fraser valley and then to compare it to 2008 356 what about last year what was the peak market what was what was 2021 or 2022 2022 1236 Okay, so more than double, yeah. More than double. And the last time we had something even close to this was April 2020. Makes <laughs> a lot of sense, right? Where you weren't supposed yeah. to go outside, yeah. But but let's go back to January 2019, not a 730. So not that much different, um, you know, 150 more than this year. So people forget. The people love to forget these crappy markets that we've had. 2019, I don't know about you, Dave, my worst year ever. Like, it was uh, 19, yeah. It wasn't my worst year ever, but it wasn't definitely what the strongest, to say the it least. Was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was terrible at that time. But then, here's the trend, though. This is looking forward. Days on market now is now up to 33. So that's not nuts, but it's a long cry from seven, which where it spent all of last year. On your yeah, tracker, looking... sorry, just quick question. Uh, yeah. On your tracker, does days on market track relists with the same brokerage? So it's like a full days on market? No. So two listings could count as, one house could count as three listings if it's relisted three times. This is only the sale listing. Uh, okay. So only if they sold. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and if they don't sell, it's not on. And if they no, re- cancel sorry, relist, it's not on. That's what I was going to ask. So let's say they're on the market for 60 days. They do not sell. They take it off. They relist. They sell in five days. What number goes into that chart? Five. Okay. Five. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at this. <clears throat> I was kind of raising the stats with Austin last last week and like just kind of looking at the expired and everything. And last last January 30th or whatever, there was 22 expireds in all of the Fraser Valley. And this year we had over 700. Whoa. So it's just insane. The amount of like, yeah. 
That's insane. But North Surrey so. right now is 13 months of supply and detached. So wow. that's what you would expect, right? But there's so mm-hmm. much junk out there. I'm doing an evaluation yesterday for a fellow with a beautiful house in, in North Surrey. And the comparables were like, as is, where is, uh, no value in the in the structure, right? That sort of stuff. And so when you're asking $1.5 million for a teardown in North Surrey, you're going to be on the market for a long, long time. And well, that's as I probably I mean, earlier. That's probably a lot of the buyers and a lot of the owners out there. Yeah, and that's probably why we are seeing multiple offers because good inventory is tight and well priced inventory is tight because there's still people priced at June numbers or whatever you want to say. Last year, they're still looking at that. There's still agents willing to take that on. Some of the newer ones not able to have those hard conversations, right? And say, "Listen, like I wish I could get you that, but the reality is here are the stats and just." hold your ground. And I don't think there's enough uh, people doing that. Hence the, not the great inventory supply that's out there back to the multiples. Dave, what is stuff. your cutoff line when you're talking to somebody to turn them down? I, I like to use the line. I'd rather turn you down than let you down. How far do you think I'm is acceptable to that. take high these I'm days? Stealing that. <laughs> I don't take anything high. And I, I, I just don't. Um, because we do invest a lot of money into our listings with the staging and everything. And I just say, you know, I've got skin in the game. And uh, if someone can't come in here and educate you on on the actual price and what your home is worth, how are they going to negotiate a property for you? It just doesn't line up for me. If you, it's just, if you don't have that strength on having hard conversations with, with people, then how are you going to negotiate in someone's favor to get them that price if you are priced in line with market? Right. So you just it's just a waste of everyone's time and you're leading yourself to disappointment because yeah i don't think anyone's trying you're not going to get a low ball offer if you're too high you'll get one if you're like in market value but along with those low ball offers because of what we just touched on and the education behind these buyers right now you are going to get a market value offer because when it hits the market they're going to see that that's a good buy let's go see it and let's write on it and your days on market will be also significantly less This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Real Estate Video Course. Today's real estate industry has changed and you can no longer rely primarily on door knocking, cold calling, and geo farming. While these strategies still work, video provides something that these traditional methods just don't. And that is leads that reach out to you because of you and the message and content that you are providing. I believe that video is king and that through video, you can leverage your message, create stronger relationships and become the authority on real estate in your marketplace. The real estate video course is a five part course that will teach you the fundamentals of video, including why it's so impactful, the equipment that you need to invest in to get started and the proven tips and strategies used to ensure long term success. So go to videocourselogin.com today to become a true creator, level up your editing and production skills and develop your real estate video plan to leverage your message to current and prospective clients. That's videocourselogin.com. The link is below in the description. And don't forget to use the discount code TOMSHOW at checkout for 10% off any purchase. That's videocourselogin.com and use the checkout code TOMSHOW. That's T-O-M-S-H-O-W. I would like to petition that our real estate boards hire someone from the analytics on the sports side of things. So here's here's my little analogy. You know, in like in a hockey game, there's shots on net, right? Or shots on goal. But then the actual mm-hmm. analytic that counts is like quality scoring chances, like within a certain area or like where this could actually go into the net. That's That's a more effective stat where we have the stats of active inventory but it'd be nice if we had a one of like actually well-priced inventory people want <laughs> because right now we have this, we're clumping it saying, well, there's all these homes available Well, there are a lot of homes available overpriced that people are not interested in. And then there is a very small amount of homes available in a price point that people want. And that seems to be what's happening right now. So yeah, how I would agree. you track that? How would you track that? You so can't. You can't. maybe it's you just... have a stat that says list to sale ratio within seven days of listing. Hmm versus after seven days of listing yeah, maybe because, 14 days is like a safer but yeah well what, whatever the metric is who knows but it would be interesting because actually the the valuations i'm doing in north surrey with 13 months supply of of inventory out there the homes that are selling like the the smallest drop was 
80 grand below list price and some of them were 250 below list price so the sellers weren't willing to drop their price there but they were willing to accept market value and the market values weren't crazy low like they weren't like oh that's nuts it's just all the asking prices are 250 300 grand above but there's not a lot of people willing to put their homes near market value because they're looking at all the other sales and i think this is an agent education thing they're looking at all the other sales saying well everybody's getting 250 below ask so i have to ask 250 above yeah and that comes down to the education right and you just it's it's I wouldn't say it's easy. It's easy to show them the numbers. It's hard to have the conversation. But it's like, hey, this is the this is the number. Your home is worth one three five zero. We're gonna get that, and you don't have to take an offer you don't like. So let's list it at one three four nine one three five zero, and I can guarantee you we're gonna be busy, and I can guarantee you you're gonna get a number you like. And if you don't, it's just simple to say no. Is it is yes? We can reevaluate, but you're not gonna need to. I can see this in like two different ways, right? So right now, our in the Toronto market, I think we're we're getting about ninety eight percent of asking price across. Are, are the sales that are happening are averaging ninety eight percent? So we've actually like I'm giving away my strategy here if anyone's listening, but everything we list for the condos, we're listing ten to fifteen thousand dollars more than they are worth, so that when the buyer gets it ten grand under asking, we have set them up for that the entire time. They feel like they've won. We've knowing exactly what we're doing the entire time, right? Then. One of the favorite things I've ever heard, and Steve, this is something I learned from Nathan Dart, was like, you know, when you're having a conversation with a seller, can we ever actually underprice a property? No, because if you no. underprice it, people will come, you've got multiple offers, it will sell. You can undersell a property, mm -hmm. but you can't underprice a property. You can sell it for less than it's worth, that's clear. But if you price it low and you get all this action, it's gonna push the price up to where the market believes it's worth anyways. But it's a tough conversation with the seller if everything else is selling under that they want to just not be the one in the neighborhood that, and then they might think, well, if I list 200 under what, what, what I want to list at, even though that's what mine's worth, then I'm going to get an offer 200 under that because that's what all the mm -hmm. other ones are doing. Right? So, I mean, these are tough conversations. That's probably going to make our industry better as a whole, because let's all be honest. We didn't have to have these conversations for the last three years. You know what did come no. back? You know what did come back though, Tom? Um, and Dave, let me know if you saw this. We were trying to show buyers this weekend. I was going over some things with Eric on my team. Offer dates. Mm, yeah. 50% of the listings had offer dates that we were trying to show. We just did one. Not So we wrote on one that had an offer date. Yeah. And how did how that many go? Offers? Was that the one multiples? Yeah, we were multiples. Uh, Austin uh, represented the buyer there and four offers, and we got that for 55 grand under asking. So that's interesting. Four offers, right? offer date, yeah. sells 55,000 under asking. So it's yeah. almost like we need to tell the public, yes, offer dates are back and multiple offers are back, but it means something totally different than it used to. It's but they're, like they're everyone's going to be so jaded because they're like, oh, no, 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 yeah. not this again. But it's different than yeah. what it was. Same words, but different result. 100%. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And then for the low sales volume, I just want to bring that up one more time. So we've seen low sales volume of 50% under what is typical for basically what the last seven, eight months for both of our markets, like it, the sales volumes significantly down. Mm -hmm. When the prices were going down, no one seemed to have an issue with the fact that, well, we're only working with 50% of the data because prices are going down and that's what we want to happen. And now that our prices are ticking up in February to the previous month, and but the argument that I've seen so far online is, well, there's not enough data to support the prices going up. So it didn't matter when they were going down, but when they're going up, it's a whole different conversation. Have, have you guys had any conversations about that? Or just, are you seeing, you think February numbers are going to be pretty good compared to, I, I'm talking sales numbers, not sale prices. Dave, you think that's going to happen? I think sales, you think the sales are going to spike up over last month is what you're asking? Month Sorry. over month. Like, seeing, month over yeah, month. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, for sure. I think so. They already yeah. have. I think, yeah. Yeah. We have a really cool tracker, uh, Tom, on our um, on our. MLS system where it shows you how many sales in current working days of the month compared to last year and last month. So that's What's a, a really working day. Uh, Monday to Friday. 
You can't do sales on weekends? What's going on? No, but it says, but it's a good way to track uh, immediate stats, right? How many working days within a month uh, because of obviously, well, it's legit that, you know, when you have long weekends, you'll get less business going on. Um, But it is already up. It's not nearly what last year was. But of course, it's double last month. So we're going to hit really good go. numbers this month. I uh, I think we should acknowledge our friend uh, Brendan Ogmanson because he's he's writing a report right now for the February numbers, what the year over years are going to say. <laughs> and he's probably not having a good time. <laughs> he's, he's trying to figure out his wording right now and how to make it not sound like an excuse because <laughs> year over year is about to look really, really bad. Yeah. But speaking of really good excuses, did you guys see uh, all the coverage of, I think I might do a video on this for my channel, but all the coverage of uh, Benjamin Tao this last week? No. no, I haven't. What do you say? It's been, let me read you the headline because I snapshotted it because I'm probably going to do something on this. Rents are soaring in Canada as surge of people go uncounted. What, is, what does he mean by that? There are. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my research, but basically, there's a graph that shows since October of this last year, the amount of people that are coming into the country each month is unreal, and that he doesn't believe Stats Canada is tracking them correctly. Well, if our job but, number estimates are any indication, maybe there's a few yeah. holes elsewhere. Yeah. Right. So they're letting in, you know, because he went through that whole thing about how, you know, all the people that we, we had nobody coming in in 2021, except we had 500,000 students here that all got their PRs instead of extending their visas. Um, that sort of number, while the amount of students that are now coming in to fill their previous spots, right, the amount of people that are flooding to this country, th- there's a graph and it is like three times greater than any other previous month ever. Hmm. And so he's like, there's going to be, I know they, they say it's cute. We're, we're shooting for like, what, 465 this year or whatever the number is. He's like, actual bodies, we're talking a million people. Wow. So how's that going to Steve, don't that? worry. We've banned foreign buyers. We've fixed the problem. Yeah. We have banned foreign buyers, and now <laughs> just anyone that's a foreigner is technically a Canadian citizen. <laughs> That's crazy. I haven't seen that. I saw another report I want to ask both of you about, and I don't know if it was just Vancouver. It expanded into the into the boonies where Steve is. But um, it said that basically half of the population owns their property outright, like no mortgage, which what I'm hearing is basically saying half of people that live in Vancouver are multimillionaires if they just own their property outright. Did you guys see that? I didn't see that report did who covered it i saw it on the instagrams keep talking tom i'm gonna look it up i think it might have been alex essentially what it was is that in in most of vancouver and all these areas almost 50 percent of all the households were fully owned without a mortgage on them and i guess you can make the argument that well that means that 50 percent less people that could be in trouble because of all the rate hikes because they own it outright um, but I just, I didn't realize it would have been that high of a number. I mean, assuming that most of these people are, well, probably boomers that have owned the house for a long time that bought it for 200,000, paid it off and have just lived there for a long time. They're not paying today's prices. Uh, did you yeah. find it, Steve? Here is, uh, and this is the super scientific research from Alex Dunbar's Instagram. Um, so Shout out Alex Dunbar, the last, he, he posted something pretty funny the other day. I hope, I I hope you're uh, correct, Alex, otherwise. The YouTube comments will not like he you. listens too, so he'll he'll hear this. Uh, data shows the following percentage of households are mortgage free in these BC cities. Vancouver at the highest, fifty percent. So fifty percent of households Crazy. are mortgage free. Question I have is does that include renters? I hope not. Um Saanich forty seven, Burnaby forty five, Richmond forty five, Langley thirty five, and good old Surrey thirty two percent. Like I would have never guessed those numbers at all, to be honest. Totally mortgage free. And that doesn't then count the people like I got a mortgage. It's easily paid for by my, by my tenants in the basement. So there's a lot of people in pretty good shape. And I think that's what um, the housing groups on Facebook, 
don't like to acknowledge. So if you have that no. long-term bull perspective on the market, it is that many, many people are mortgage-free. We're actually getting more people into this country than we ever have before. And the amount of inventory that exists that people actually want seems to be dwindling, right? I guess that would be the argument on that. Well, you know, maybe things aren't as bad as they are. And I guess, you know, time will tell. <laughs> no one knows how this is going to play out. No one, yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah, that's only good three grade, pretty much points bang on like those are the, those are actually the, the factors that are taking place right now every single one of those yeah other than if it gets to a point that people just can't afford things and i'll tell you guys on my end i've had several people reach out to me now this is a whole i could do a whole hour on this but like bought a pre-construction condo in the last four years against my advice and not with me that are calling me saying hey tom it's coming up to close and like i gotta move this thing and I'm like, okay, we can move it. You are, you are going to take a loss. You are going to take a loss. So what I've seen in my own day to day is the, mo the people that are coming to me saying, hey, I got an issue here. I got to move it. It's not their primary residence. It's not a finished property. It is I bought something on paper and the rates doubled and I can't close on this thing anymore. So the yeah, assignment market assignment. is... Uh, that's where I'm I think give, most yeah. of the trouble is, to be honest. Since I'm, since I'm here on, uh, on the Instagrams with all the kids... Um, Jesus. Another one I want to point out is Adam Nadler put out a uh, something on his stories, and it's a story, a news story from 1998, talking about how people will no no longer move to Toronto, and how they're turning down jobs to stay in cheaper cities. What happened? 1998, mm. 25 years ago. It's just that we're all living the same thing, man. We're on that hamster wheel. We're just, we think we're special because we're here right now. Everybody else mm -hmm. thought they were special when they were there, right? Housing sucks to pay for because we all want to go on vacation. But last time I checked, vacation's one week a year. And, well, for me, it's not even that much. But, you know, one or two weeks a year for most people. And I got to pay for the house for the rest of the time. You're trying to do the math. There's 52 weeks in the year, Steve. So you got 50 weeks in the house. <laughs> I have at least that. I spend a week <laughs> at your house and then maybe a week in Whistler if I'm lucky. Uh, yeah, there's no there's no instant like gratification or however you want to say it when you buy a home, right? It's neat and people with the long-term outlook, they love it. But like you're going back to what you're saying, Steve, it's, it's the vacations, it's the, the cars, these fancy cars, these things that some people want to have, but they also want the house, but the house is the problem because it's too expensive. How are people doing this? Are you guys doing vacations? I can't do a vacation right now. I will not pay for it. I can do business trips um, because it goes on the business card, but I can't do personal trips. Well, I can, but I don't want to. Yeah, I I, I went away in, in October, but we had I've been saving up for that for a while. It had been a goal of mine to take my, my wife and my kids back to where my wife and I got married, which was Maui. So I was strategically placing money away from that. If someone called me today and said they wanted to go play golf in Arizona, I would just say, I'll catch you on that little Instagram thing that all the kids use. But, um, and I'll watch you from there. Cause I'm not going, I'm not coming to pl play golf and spend that money right now. Prices for everything are skyrocketing. It's just not a good time to be. I mean, my financial advisor said to me, it's not going to be like a, a it's going to be a recession. The best thing I can say is don't be an asshole with your money. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Like yeah. just well, we, we used to do we used to do Vegas twice a year, right? Get away. Yeah, we, we get, I was talking to an agent. We're doing a deal. He's like, okay. Uh, it came up that he was just coming back from Vegas that day, and he was there for Super Bowl. And he's like, listen, you know, a couple too many drinks. I went to the corner store on the way back to the uh, hotel room, so I had water for the morning. Two bottles of water. 1450 17 mil or 100 100 or 710 mil um 1450 and he's like during super bowl sunday american american, american so 20 bucks canadian um during super bowl sunday for gambling the cheapest hand of blackjack he could find was 50 dollars a hand i mean but to be fair we're talking about super bowl weekend like that's that's not normal fifty dollars right? a hand tom story i don't know what you toronto agents make but us fraser valley agents here are not spending fifty dollars a hand on gambling and no, then i don't just gamble mad. i don't gamble my money <laughs> in general so I, it's just expensive there in general i've had a few friends that went there and it was it was bananas it's like a, 
yeah, the, just the amount you have to spend to, to enjoy yourself there is the juice isn't worth the squeeze is so much. It's such a waste of money, in my opinion. So Tom, Tom prefers um, to gamble into, on uh, on his interest rates. He's definitely not putting <laughs> money in the. He's definitely not putting money in the Maple Leafs this year. He better not. No, every time I do so, that, I lose. I, I my my goal this year, I actually went to the game last night. And by the way, I said this many times at the podcast, but I went to like just this random little like pub beforehand. We got the last seat in there because it was so packed that people wanted to go and spend their money and buy beer at this little random pub that isn't even anything fancy. Um, but yeah, my goal this year on the Leafs is I'm just going to pretend I don't care. So whatever happens, happens, and then they'll eventually hurt me at some point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's what, what works out for us over here. um i want i want to wrap this up uh dave with kind of a few final thoughts um uh, there is a mix of people that listen to this podcast and if you've gotten this far you're either a loyal person that's interested in the market but you're likely a real estate agent if you're at this part of of the of the podcast so you've been doing this since 2011 you have seen a lot of success you have you have really built a a great business you're now starting to expand and and doing more of the video stuff and social stuff. So I just like like your experience as someone that was already successful that recognized, okay, you know, maybe I got to start doing the stuff that the kids are doing, as Steve would say. Um, what's you've, what, what have you found that experience like? In regards just to, to, the, to the video? Just like the, the accountability of doing it and, and if you're getting any results from it, if it's done anything for your business. Yeah, I mean, obviously coming up with the content sometimes can be struggling. That's why I follow you and I scroll your most viewed ones and I just like, oh, this sounds good. But, you know, between that and finding out news articles, which you taught me, there's always something to talk about or jotting things down that people are calling me about. So creating the content, I think, would be more or less the most difficult part because you want to make stuff that people want to listen to, right? And so that's the hardest part. Filming it's not. And yes, I have seen success. I have had uh, clients reach out to me and said, I love your video. I forwarded it to someone that's looking to buy or sell. And then they'll reach out or I'll post it on my Instagram. And someone that I worked with years ago um, will reach out to me and say, hey, we're looking at buying an investment. Can we set up a call? And I had not spoke to this person in years, like years. So it does work. It positions yourself as the expert in the market. Not everyone follows a thousand realtors like we do. So they're not getting inundated with videos. They're the ones they're getting inundated with are the ones like ours, which are value driven, which have them reach out because they view us as the expert. It's I had um I had something really interesting happen the other day. A client that I had sold a property to five years ago that never once responded to any of my check-ins, nothing, didn't come to the client parties. I silent, silent, never heard anything. Randomly calls me last week and we just sold them a property yesterday. So he'd been watching from afar. He just didn't give a crap about me for those five years because he was living his life. And when he needed me, then he reached out. So I think that's kind of the way we got to look at this content stuff is that most people don't need us and that's okay. But just when that moment comes, if you've already given up on your content plan, it's, it's, they're going to find somebody else, right? That's, that's, yeah, least, I agree. Yeah. It, it's, it's a touch point, right? Every time it's just like, you guys have been doing this long enough before we had video, you know, sales is a contact sport. What are you doing? What are you sending? What are you calling? This just makes us, allows us to make contact in a less invasive way. Yes, you still have to call. Yes, you still have to email. But these are more touch points that are educational touch points that they do love. Whoever owns real estate wants to know. They might not comment, but no one owns a piece of real estate and doesn't give a shit what the market does. They care because they own real estate. So they'll watch. Totally. All right, as we wrap this up, Steve, final thoughts, any wild prediction for, hold on, let me, Fraser, Fraser, Fraser Valley Real Estate. Oh, the Valley. The I'll Valley Real there. Estate. There we go. <laughs> and wild predictions. No, I think we're going to get into a normal market where um, buyers think it's worth less, sellers think it's worth more, and it's up to us to help bridge that gap. You know you're in a normal market, by the way, Tom, this is a measure that we use exact science measure when the difference between what the buyer's willing to pay and the seller's willing to accept is exactly the commission (laughs) that is how you know you are in a regular real estate market so i think we're gonna get there probably very 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 soon 
Dave, would you you want to add anything to that? To what what you think the next you know the rest of twenty twenty three is going to look like for you guys? I agree fully. I think we're going to just restore the balance, um, and buyers are going to kind of recognize what the prices are. Obviously, going to want more, but yeah, like you said, it's just going to be the difference between the commission. I don't know if uh, did you guys back in the day have those conversations with realtors that say, "Hey, man, I got to throw a thousand dollars in to make this happen." Can you maybe we get back to those conversations when the buyer's agent is asking you to do that, but. Yeah, it's going to be balanced. It's not going to be crazy. I yep. think we're going to be restored. A normal, nice market where we can all sort of relax. Yeah. Well, like not feel so, right? Do you remember, Tom, sorry sorry to bring this up last second. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I used to go for like coffee with my team in the afternoon. And I can't remember the last time we did that crap. So like we used it's to not because of the market. And... It's because your team's sick of you. <laughs> never mind i set myself up for that one never mind yeah, you laid that out on a platter okay Appreciate so you, Tom. Sorry. dave thank you for coming that was a really fun chat it's nice to have another person from steve's neck of the yeah. woods that is actually likable and and positive and encouraging and not good just a grouchy and, yeah, yeah good looking we go on and on younger in things. shape <laughs> Am I younger? Um, no i think you're younger how old are you dave just turned 40 Oh yeah, you're younger. But well, I but I appreciate uh, you thinking I am younger. I, I yeah, I would have thought you were younger for sure. <laughs> it's maturity level you doesn't me, add up to tell his me age. What light you use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a he's got a LUT or a filter for all the kids. Um, all right, Dave, thank you for being here. That was a lot of fun. I think what I'll end this episode on is something that I had heard someone say a while back, if you look at a 40 year chart of Vancouver, greater Vancouver area or the GTA or Toronto, real estate goes up and down, but it tends to over the long term, I'm not talking about 10 years, I'm talking about long term, it tends to go up and down in an up direction. Regardless of if we like that or don't like that, that seems to be the reality. So that's how I want to kind of end this episode just for people to think about that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. If you got to the end, congratulate that is awesome thanks for listening to two fools and one smart guy smart guys in the middle of the conversation we will see you next week and uh if you haven't already make sure to like and subscribe bye and leave a review oh, anyway okay oh, we're still recording we're good okay one second. Oh.